0: Da, 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 Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Growisha, founder of Growing da, With the Seasons. Da, 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 our new voice, Season 1, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. Da, 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 we need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more, get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we go. So the first
1: question is: How were you informed about your gender? About being—I guess you identify as a male and a boy, right? So, like, how were you informed? Like, how did the world kind of respond that helped you know that you were what you understand yourself to be?
2: So I always played sports, you know that already. Football, baseball, hockey, cross, basketball, I say basketball, soccer? I, I mean, I only, I didn't play ice hockey because I never learned how to ice skate. And I, now this is just because I, I recently learned about this in my, uh, my college courses, learning about gender and the difference between gender and sex. And I wish that I could dive into that a little bit more. Maybe I need to study up with. Sex is the biological role, I guess. When I'm born, I'm, I'm either male or female, and gender is something that I guess I identify with. So society does shape who we identify as a male, a female, or so on and so forth. I guess is is kind of the new thing. I don't know. I'm not to riff on something I don't know about, but I. Played sports i I guess that i I always had to be tough that was that was part of my role. I had to be strong actually not strong I had to be stronger. I had to be faster I had to be bigger and that was just my competitiveness, I guess growing inside of me. I guess what roles played a big part in my life as well were my family my mother, my father, friends yeah I mean I no matter what. I was always competing, that's what I remember.
1: Yeah, so I guess what I'm hearing you say is you uh, pretty much knew and understood boy and really liked sports and you used that to compete and you had kind of a basic mom and dad kind of structure that helped you define yourself as the boy and sports was your way to express yourself. Yeah, I mean I didn't have too many other, I guess females in my family. I. I
2: of course, my, my my mother, and then my mom has a sister with two daughters. They're younger than me. But I always tended to drift towards my father's family. And my father had a brother. And he had three boys. So, and they were all older than me. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I was, I never thought of it that way. I was in the middle of six, you will. I didn't have another woman figure, I guess, in my life besides my mother who I thought that I could look up to and not in, a, not in a bad way. That's just, I guess, what I, what I saw every day. I saw my father, I saw my mother, you know, I guess I had to always choose, you know, how I was going to be the strong one, you know, out of, out of my friends and I took qualities of. Yeah, the masculine side.
1: I like the way you mentioned two qualities. You know, it, it does seem sometimes as we're growing, we're kind of picking from the things around us what kind of matches us and what we're going to kind of groom in ourselves, right?
2: Right. I mean, I kept getting older and it's not like I, I became this rockhead, I guess. My father would probably argue the facts. I can be stubborn, but at the same time, I, I became the type to learn. I, I always actually had the desire to learn, but to decide to learn something that was outside of myself was a step forward. I don't think my father ever, well, I, I've never seen my father take a step outside of his own comfort zone like that to try to understand a different perspective than what I was so used to. I, I do, I enjoy yoga on the beach i enjoy hiking in the woods even though it's kind of not really with my competitive nature (laughs) i i am the type to run jump swim faster better than than i did yesterday so my competitiveness changed from against other people and then i could see myself around the world so i i started competing against myself more. you know that flow i guess from Competing against others and to myself, and then now I, I become more unified by seeing different you know sides of, of my life.
1: I like that someone else brought in the need for discipline, and it would seem like in order to compete with yourself and get better, a certain amount of discipline that's needed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think we get comfortable. You know, older generations. You know, you'll hear the younger generations kind of feel a little bit frustrated with the stagnation or heaviness of the older generation, right? Because they don't necessarily push themselves the same way the youth doesn't. I'm not really sure if our energy changes or if we've just done so many things so many times that you just get tired. But I wonder about that when I see the younger people and the way they can push themselves. And, you know, I'm a pretty passionate flower. Like, I like to keep going, too. I definitely keep my mind open. But my physical body, like when I think about some of the things that I used to do, and I think about doing them now. I'm like, Oh my God, will I ever be able to do that again? Like, wow. Like that was like, wait a minute. I love playing frisbee football and like running after it and diving for the catches. And I want to go and swim like really far and, and go out into the ocean. But it's like, as you get older, I don't, I'm not, again, I don't know if it's in our mind or if it's realistic or just taking the time, like you're talking about to discipline, but I'm like, I don't know if I could do that ever again. And I was like, oh, no. I'm like, what happens to that part? Ready?
2: I don't know where that comes from. I've never been older than 29.
1: <laughs>
2: I've only been younger. I can I can think back to my younger days, and, and I, I have a lot of regret sometimes. Uh, of course I do. You know my story a little bit. And... I can only say to myself that I, I would like to discipline myself to where I don't have to regret where I am right now in my future. Oh, that's a nice way to say it, Matt. I like that, Monique. And the reality is, of course, I'm going to be older than 29. My birthday comes in a month and so is yours. Okay, can. I can. And I, I, I would be, I feel a little bit of denial and delusion to think that I would Never, my body would never change and grow older, as well as my mind, my spirit. And that's, that's a, I guess, another biological story that I I don't have enough information of. However, it's, it's kind of like that superhero mind thinking that I'll never get old, I'll never, I'll never die. I mean, we're, we're on this planet, we're not too confused about the fact that we're going to live and then pass. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get caught up in this utopian thing that, well, I can you know live forever. I was stuck on that for a little while as well. Guess who doesn't want to be twenty nine forever. I know I would. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, that's a changing time though. I remember that time in my life, my late twenties, early thirties. I would probably suggest that my awareness of myself and my understanding of the world probably changed the most around that section of time.
2: Is it is a very, funny? yeah, I'm sorry. It's it's a very important time in my life right now.
1: Yeah, they call it in astrology your cryon wounding. It's like your 29 years, and it's in a Native American. Some of the teachings I've read on is about that the first 28 years are or 26 years. I'm sorry, are just kind of like laid out for you. Like it's like you it was designed for you to live through. And then now you kind of take the reins of what you lived through and create yourself from your story, you know? So sounds like you're in a good way right there for that time, Matt. You all settled into a place you feel safe. So good job considering that the road in had some hairy turns. You know, time is a
2: funny thing. It really is because I'm up 30 and I can only recall about two-thirds of my life. That's pretty common, right? 20 years is, is I, I think, a pretty decent amount of time my my road has been my journey from day one if you will but i i'll celebrate five years of sobriety of of recovery in a week a week yeah so my clean date is june 17th 2015. wow so i don't i was today the, the eighth
1: yeah so one week
2: one week I mean, that's incredible, but that's only five years. And if I was to say at a meeting, right, my recovery meetings, you know, I celebrated five years of recovery. And and that's, it's so empowering to say it. And then it's empowering to hear it from somebody else as well. And five years is a very long time. It's, it's a piece of time that it's sometimes uncomprehensible to think about when I was in the grips of addiction. I couldn't think five hours ahead, let alone five years, five weeks, five months. It it wasn't a a thing that I was engaging myself with. I couldn't think that far ahead for myself. And well, so that's still, it's just a piece of time. Mm -hmm. And I can remember when I was about 10 years old, that's 20 years ago, I still have so much more life that I haven't seen yet. So for me to just say that I want to be 29 forever Is almost a little bit selfish but at the same time i wouldn't be living to my fullest potential because there's so much more to find out like you you said how the older generation maybe some of the people don't push themselves as they used to but i haven't gotten that far i said that and i'm curious to see what i really do with my my time and my my decision making at that point my mother my mother and my father have been through a lot as well mm-hmm. you know it's their story anybody who is anybody for that matter has their own story but for me to say that you know, I, I would be i'd be a little resentful if i you know told you how much i wish that my father and my mother would do certain things to help them help their health is what i'm trying to say you know but at the end of the day they are going to make their own decisions I cannot decide for them, and they have also lived through their 20s and their 30s and their 40s and their 50s, so I have a few more steps to go before I can tell them that
1: you should be doing this and pointing the finger. Yeah, no, that's good. That's fair. That's humble. You know, I think sometimes uh, expectations or the roles say that say, oh, I'm a parent now. You know, I have children. I own a house. I have a car your duties, your responsibilities start to take all of your life force. So it doesn't always feel like it's passion. Like, of course, I think your parents and like many of us, our children, our family, are of course our passion, but it doesn't necessarily mean you get to do what it is that you're really passionate about. It means you get to do what you need to do to take care of everybody in the family. Right. So when, you know, you're going off to create something new each day with an adventure spirit filled with curiosity is very different than going to the same job for 30 years, doing the same thing every time. You know what I mean? Like it's going to resonate in your body differently. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like,
2: I absolutely do. I absolutely do. It was up to my parents to, um, to get those jobs and those careers. And it was probably suggested by their parents to do such a thing
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and now so if i was suggested to do that thing which i was and i i saw maybe certain steps like you said that well it didn't resonate well with me so maybe i'm gonna i'm gonna go along this path you know that's my that's my decision and we all have those different past experiences that help us make certain decisions whether to find a career that will keep us in a, in, a, in a secure life monetarily.
1: Always about compassion, right? Ferocious compassion. We always got to try to see it from the, the perspective of the other and do our best not to judge it, but instead understand it, right? And, it, and when somebody's up against you or trying to pull you in a different direction, it's hard sometimes to appreciate their perspective.
2: I agree. And... I mean, that's that whole I'm turning 30 kind of thing. Maybe I am really starting to understand more pieces of the puzzle than I ever had an opportunity to understand or or learn about. I would be harming myself if I said, Well, I'm better than somebody else because I'm doing this. It's more like understand that we're all on the same team, but we're all learning from each other. You know, going beyond myself is a step in the right direction for for me and for a lot of us. I'm
1: sorry. Self-centered is one of the processes, right? That part of our lives where it's all about us and nothing about us. Sometimes that can last your whole life. Right. I mean, what's going to happen if I, you know,
2: I I have this next, I guess, epiphany when it's, oh, it's not all about me. Okay. That's good. It's also about other people. That's really good. So how do I team up with everybody? Like maybe I, I find my own, my groups or, or something like that. I mean, what,
1: will be God's plan for that, is, is the question, right? And Well, what plan will you co-create? But it's a great segue to the next question. So the next question is, life's a school and relationships to the classroom. So you had a sense of who you were as far as your gender and in your family. So then who did you learn or how did you learn about yourself in relationships? What showed up when you began relationships? And, you know, relationships are with women, which I believe is your preference and you know your relationship with medicines your relationship like you know your relationships are classrooms right so how did you continue to develop an awareness of yourself in relationship
2: really god is is my classroom my classroom is god is what that question means to me.
1: and part a meaning that god's in the relationship or in the people or what do you mean when you say that
2: god is uh, is a word that for for myself i'm, I'm just gonna start from the beginning so I was raised Catholic, Catholic high school. So Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, if you will. And that's not like I don't want to, you know, like shoot Jesus Christ away because I honestly, I I don't I never met the man. Do I believe in a power greater than myself? Absolutely. I don't really know if I want to choose a name for that power. If I've never really met that Power, like it's it seems to, it's almost like if I was to say that yes, that is God, that I would be saying no to every other possibility. That's what I'm trying to say. So I choose the word God as like an all-encompassing type of term to say that you know each part of this life of mine, including yours and the guy down the road and across the street. And on this planet in our solar system, everything is is God. And I am a piece of God. And so are you and the person down the street. So that's my, I guess, my uh, explosion of my belief. So when you asked me what my you know, relationships and classrooms and and how I learned about myself, wow. I mean, first I guess I, I took a microscope to myself. That was important. I guess I brought in everything around me to say, you know. We are all a piece of of something greater. Oh, at the same time, we are that that piece of the the greater being, if that makes any sense. So each second throughout my day, it's is another moment for me to try to learn about this greater being or greater puzzle or you know, God is what I'm really trying to say. So God is a is that giant term that I can use. And it's just, it makes, you know, a little bit more clarity for myself. So God is always with me. I am always with God. That's with every person.
1: And that's what I choose to believe. We're all versions of God. Like we're all expressions of the same combination, right? Because earth is our mother and we're fire, wind, air, water, and we're all connected and we're all make our own expression of that divinity. You know, so I kind of like, bringing it to you in, in that capacity
2: so and there's always different religions and that's the that's the fine part with like we talk about relationships and how i've developed there's other religions there's always a religion and i appreciate that i i, I have not that i have to i just i don't have a, a choice not to otherwise if i decide not to appreciate somebody else's beliefs that i would be denying myself to believe that that's my growth from, from other people, in a religious aspect, from a romantic aspect. That would probably go back to the whole social concept of who I identify as and how I go about my day. And I mean, that's, a, that's you know, right where I'm at as well. I'm, I'm constantly in this learning process of how I do wish to be portrayed as. I mean, who am I? It is it's such a great question for myself. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy with long hair and tattoos, you know, working out at the field or playing lacrosse or, you know, the guy who is, you know, constantly
1: stressed. Well, you've both been pretty introspective, so we know that that can create a little stress when you're thinking about yourself all the time, but I know what you mean. So then when it came to, like, relationships and showing up as the young men and the relationships to the girls, like, how did that play out for you? What did you learn about yourself in relationships?
2: probably a sad thing. I, I don't think that I, I as much as I have respect for for everybody, all right, I say that, and i I hope I mean that. I don't think that I showed it as well as i I say it. like back when I was about twenty or so. I don't know what it was. maybe a trust thing. I know that's how I like to go to right away.
1: Well, you have a lot of access, too, right? I mean, I think when you have all that energy and passion and all that access, It's easy to go loco. So if you're a pretty boy, you know, you're handsome and and you're doing sports and this and that. So, I mean, I I don't know. I don't, I didn't know you then, but like, you're going to get a certain amount of attention that some other people may not get. When you get all that attention, you also get, you know, you have to decide how you're going to treat that attention. And if you just take it for granted, like you're always going to have it, you know, and you might not always treat people. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, maybe. That's
2: That's exactly what I was trying to say. You're right. It's, it goes back to the discipline, right? Am I disciplined enough to accept somebody else's attention towards my, towards me in, in a positive way? I don't want to abuse it, is what I'm really trying to say. I want to abuse somebody else's positive view towards myself. And that's what I think I did. Looking back, I, I probably did that often. It was definitely selfish of me to do that. I don't know if it was in a way that I was trying to be disrespectful. I, I'm positive that I still did not believe those other people that I was like, you think I'm pretty or, you know, whatever, I like am handsome, <laughs> or charming, or I did not believe in those good qualities that other people saw in myself. So I tried harder and that's that lack of humility. When I try to be somebody I'm not um it comes off
1: nasty that's beautiful man i really appreciate how you were able to take that and see it in all of its glory but also identify that the root of that kind of thing is though the world might be reflecting us like we're a superhero or this or that and i just said pretty because your hair looks better than mine today but um thanks (laughs) (laughs) That it has to do with our own feelings about ourselves, right? Cause like certainly I could identify as a younger girl. I got so much attention and and I just was just not identifying myself as the way people were perceiving me. And I wondered what they were trying to do, why they were talking to me like that. Really, you know, like, why what do you want from me? You know, like so I do believe that. And that way that you said that you would be trying to prove it and be going, that was just really articulate because I've tracked a lot of young men in my work and that's a stage for men and women. But there's a way that we don't realize that the person is actually trying to prove their value and they're not necessarily always trying to be a jerk when they are ignorant to what you're offering with your sweetness or your girl attention or your mothering or whatever, you know?
2: Right. We want to continue being liked at the end of the day. We, I know that I struggled with that. Um, I don't, it's definitely gratitude. It's, I struggle with gratitude. I struggle with accepting a compliment. Maybe I, I wasn't used to receiving them. Maybe I wasn't used to being trusted.
0: How about
1: this? Because it's also the way that you were just referenced, Like right? Your opening act on this call today was about competition. So when you're in competition, you're always supposed to get better. It's never enough.
2: It's never enough.
1: Got to get better. Got to do more. And I mean, I know you're rearing. I know your family. So there was, a, there was a push behind you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, let's go, Matt. You can do even more.
2: Right. And there was a time in my life when that stopped. Yeah. I don't necessarily. I mean, of course, I, I, uh, a little bit of regret. I, I have thought of that before. You know, when when did the rearing stop? I mean, if you wanted me to be this superhero type of guy, then why didn't it ever? You know, why did I? Why did I stop? Well,
1: I, I think remember. what happens for some parents, because I know, like for for myself, my mother would say to me madeline you were always pushing yourself you were the one who wanted. like i mean you were the kind of person who at a certain point you were pushing because you wanted to be the best so you didn't necessarily need somebody and then you get to that age like justin and are at right now where they don't want me telling them anything let alone a push a direction a color shirt to wear like nothing like out if like, you
2: say red, we'll say blue
1: Right. Mine now, you out. Anything you want is bad. Anything I want is good. Go. You know, like that's a real age stage for adolescents. And, and it's weird too, because they love their parents so much. Again, this is a work I've done so many times with so much youth. They love their parents so much. They can appreciate their parents. But the parents' effect on them is so powerful that they have to push them away to feel like they can bring themselves into their truest form. And there's a real grieving and a real process of individuation that happens there. And it manifests in all different ways, in addiction and people not talking and people having babies before their age, in like long-term like conversations and therapy to family dinners. Like it, it manages itself out in lots of ways, but. That section of time where you take your authority away from your parents' approval is a real age and stage process.
2: That is huge. Actually, you're right because it, it was. It became this thing that I, I wasn't looking for approval as I was looking to get away from. I was looking to to do my own thing, if you will, mm-hmm. and become my own outfit. But I, I saw myself. I could see myself actually from you know now look back of how many steps I took away from like a good righteous path, like that good orderly direction type thing I mean I really did some Grammy things and I don't know why I guess you know certain relationships not in like a romantic way but maybe friends you know my first joint let's just say or my my first drink was something that I I hid from my parents oh my god I remember what happened <laughs> <laughs> i think she was my girlfriend at the time. i think her it was lisa and she was so awesome. like <laughs> she was this thing that i could not keep my eyes off of like from when we were at like grammar school you know moving up to up to high school levels like we we stayed in touch and we we developed a nice relationship but she was kind of like ghetto fabulous but she was also like really oh my gosh she was all heart like we we really had this connection and we I, i'm pretty sure we were seeing each other and seeing each other at 14 right how often do <laughs> we see like yeah i don't know my mom dropped me off okay <laughs> i mean she at the mall sorry ridiculous. but that's and okay so hey, i was in high school so i was at a after um, I guess a football game, right? Probably we were went to a party and oh my god, I had a, a hard lick I had 151, but party 151 and that was strong. Like that's your first drink, dude. Like <laughs> oh my god, no wonder I went on a turmoil at a at a bender for 10 years. Holy hell. <laughs> and my and I guess I I, I, I had I blacked out, I called. My girlfriend, you right? You blacked
1: out. The first time you drank, you blacked out?
2: Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, um, oh yeah. No, I really don't remember much of the night. I can remember walking across the street. I can remember taking the shot in the basement. It was like with Pepsi, like a can of soda. And that was it. I don't remember anything after that. And I, I remember driving to school with my dad. And my dad drove me to school every day. And I'm like, I just, I remember talking to him about how I, how I drank, but I didn't tell them, I told my girlfriend and she wound up calling my parents that night saying, Matt's drinking and, you know, on the streets of Ramsey, and Ramsey's in Burn County, it's beautiful down there. I was walking the streets of La, La Ramsey, I'm like, okay, this is, it's a good thing he's there, better than Patterson, which is what I wound up doing 10 years later. Yeah, that was my first encounter with, with drinking and, girlfriend telling parents and became this thing that I wasn't okay with telling my parents this for some reason. I don't, maybe they were going to be so disappointed that, you know, they would take me out of Bosco or they would round me. I mean, I'd be mean, really like, I never got rounded more than a day. I mean, iPod or CD player or Game Boy got taken for about an hour at a time because my, you know, I that was this, but but I didn't really do too many bad things when I was ten years old. You know, I probably deserved what I got, but at fourteen, I could actually be honest with my dad that I I drank, you know, but I don't think I had the opportunity to be honest with him because it was taken from me.
1: Meaning, I, I'm, the first thing that came to me when he said that is like. If our parents aren't honest with us, then how can we be honest with them? So is that how the honesty gets taken away in those performances? Because I do my best to get Tristan and Cole to be transparent with me about their choices and their curiosity at this age and stage, but they're really uncomfortable with it and they feel like it's trying. It's kind of like, you're not supposed to know that. You know, you're our mom, you're not supposed to know. And it's like, no, 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 this is, we're changing that because I'm not supposed to judge it and I'm not supposed to tell you what to do, but it's important that you feel safe to tell me what you're doing, because otherwise you make a wall between us that you're holding another idea of you that I can't see. And now that hard space that you grew from doesn't exist. And I don't want any control over you. I just want you to feel safe to say who you are and have me see you when you see me. But I don't think that's always in the family patterns. Right.
2: Oh, It's definitely distorted at times, obviously. Right. And whatever that event is, do you think it is a, an individual event like that? I mean, I I can, I can, this is the first time I've ever reflected on that being the one event maybe mm-hmm. that could have taken my opportunity to be trustworthy. Like, no matter what, the first transparent. thing-
1: Transparent, transparent.
2: Transparent, yeah. Because, I mean, let's be honest, right? I know what weed smells like, right? If I have if I had a son or a daughter and they you know came home and smelled like pot, what do I do, right? Oh, it smells like a skunk in here. You know, would you you know whatever, right? But I yeah, do you do you call them out on their on their whatever, or do you let them be honest first, or do you let it pass on to the next time? I mean, that's a that's a tough position to be in as a parent.
1: Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. because a lot of the parents have done all those things too, right? A lot of the parents smoked in high school or drank and things like that. So it kind of feels like it's normal. But you also know from being older and watching how people's lives turn. Like, so if you're my son and you black out the first time you have alcohol, that's a giant red flag that more than likely you have alcoholism in your genetics, right? Because that means for oh. you, because that's the thing about alcohol it can really distort a person and there's people who have the allergy they'll call it. And like you can yeah. really see in their early times what their relationship was like with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to accuse anything of being learned as an addiction counselor.
2: Madeline, I went on to go to, you know, go on cruises with my family. I, I had a great childhood. I really did like adolescence and all that. I, I wish I could have been honest with my folks back then. I can recall being on cruises, right? With my parents and my cousin Drew, my uncle Lou. And I remember giving, you know, adults money so they can get me an alcoholic beverage from the bar. It's 15 years old or 16 years old, 14, 15, 16, 17. I mean, like, that's like, and I wasn't drinking like a bottle of beer. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been cool, like, to, like, hey, like, here's 30 bucks. I would like a bucket of a of bottle Can I just get that? But instead, I had to have mixed drinks. And I, well, uh, that's mixed drink. I had a Long Island iced tea with a shot of 151 in it. And I was chugging that Madeline. I could just, maybe I was hiding it, you know, because I didn't want anybody to, you know, see a 14 year old, 15, whatever kid drinking. There's a picture on on online somewhere, Google Images. And I remember it because I was, you know, I, I know the picture well. I'm wearing Don Bosco lacrosse, and I'm taking a picture like this. And I'm, I'm like 16 in that picture, maybe 15. And I'm hammered. I'm at the kids' club on a cruise ship. Hammered there were these benches that were like almost like day beds, right? They're beautiful. Like, you know, across like the, whatever, the hallway. I can remember just get, like, that was my first time getting the spins. 15, I'm chugging, chugging drinks. I Yeah, I probably had a little bit of alcoholism in my my genetics somewhere.
1: Something, yeah, because I mean, I've never spun on alcohol or black. You know, not that I'm a drinker. I mean, I'm here or there, but I did love Molana iced teas back in my bartending days. I mean, good ones. Oh really? I would never, <laughs> consider, no, no, but I would never <laughs> consider going to that space, right? So it's, it's just an interesting appetite for adventure too. And there's like a resilience that grows, but it's the kind of medicine that I've seen really debilitate a person's ability to feel good about themselves, right? Because you get power to it pretty quick. It takes a lot of the, the juice, the alcohol, because right? it's the water, it affects the water, the blood sugar, you know, it really takes over the house. Well, it's the effects of it that I've never felt before. And then all of a sudden I feel it and I just, I can recall
2: saying, to, you know, like, this is, well, this, one, this is new. Two, this is fun. It was like being on a roller coaster ride. Like being on those, remember those spinny teacups? It's funny. <laughs> it's being on the teacup ride, you know? But like, at, at 15, it's not fun anymore. Like that, it was when I was six. Like now I need, okay, I need two. Bottles of this and that, like now let's <laughs> eat right, You know? It's so and that that was my that was it wasn't medicine. It was a, like you said, a different adventure. It was a way to feel something that I, I was, I guess, familiar with or I kinda liked the feeling.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I mean, feeling is, is also so broad. It's it's such a big range to say that 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 was the feeling I got. Mm-hmm. It was more than a feeling, it was the time and place that I still will always remember Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was still more than just an experience. It was what was I experiencing in that moment that wanted me to keep doing that.
1: Yeah. You know what I think is so interesting about what you're bringing in, because like I said, I've done a good amount of these, like over 20 of these now is you're really seemingly saying with your response to that second question about life school of relationships, that the relationship that's been educating you and kind of your primary relationship has been with drugs and alcohol for, for that 10 oh, years. I mean, you're at a different level, but like you really, when we go back to like, okay, so we know you're a boy, we know you're competitive. We know you grew up in a traditional Italian family, Catholic and this and that. And then you introduced, when we went into relationships, the first girl, the first drink. So it's just interesting how the relationship became in the medicine as well as the person.
2: It was something that I, I wanted to feel. It was probably a power trip, I guess. If I wanted to feel powerful, I would do such and such a thing. And power is such a, is a it's a hell of a word really to grasp and understand. But I don't know if I want to feel powerful I want to feel empowering. I want to help others feel the ability and and I would feel, you know, capable of helping somebody else and and helping somebody else reach their fullest potential, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's, that's, I guess, different than what I was trying to feel at 15 or 16 or 17 or eight. Yeah. Yeah. And you say medicine. So I, and and I guess this is probably the, the Catholic in me. When I think of what I was going through, I I don't think of it as medicine. I think it was poison right? Good or bad, right? Uh, right or wrong, good and evil, whatever. But right. You know, and today is completely different. You know, it, it's, do I have actually the motivation to get, you know, to the batting cages down the road? I mean, I, that was so cool the other day. I, I don't know if I told you, I had 20 bucks and I got 30 minutes, nonstop batting cages. Uh, right. You know, that was, I was alone. I really, yeah, you know, Lauren was sleeping and she, you know, she had worked the next day and that's summer. It's beautiful outside and I don't have work the next day because of the, the situation that we're all in right now. And mm-hmm. that was powerful for me to do, Like right? That was empowering myself at the same time. That Cage is, is so simple, right? $20 is the same price for about 150 baseballs over there or, you know, a gram of weed from you know whatever
1: yeah that's really cool that you brought that in like that about that you were able to use your money in a different way because i mean when we get stuck in our minds or in our struggle over ourselves sometimes our physical body doesn't get activated in the same way that it used to and i know the whole time i've known you you would identify and share that you felt the best when you were physically strong and doing things physically
2: that's exactly right yeah
1: I feel like I'm always on this tripod and I,
2: I Googled mental, physical, spiritual. And then there's other piece of the well being puzzle, which is emotional. And I had to find that out for myself. But, you know, so that physical side of me, I guess I maybe I was deprived for so long. <laughs> but I indulge in those things like, you know, batting cages or, you know, a run around the block or bike, you know, bike ride or, you know, join lacrosse team. I mean, those things that I now, give myself for, it, it's, it's so much different, right? But it it's just, it's the thing that I really need in my life. I mean, it, drugs, and, and it does something to me that I've really, I couldn't see. And I, I can remember just the way I said that now, drugs, man, drugs. Like, that's what my father used to say. There's something about it that was not good for me. And, and I, I still had to find that out for myself. And I did it, but I'm happy to
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your journey and everything that you picked up along the way. I mean, that's the thing, you know, everybody's designed to kind of live what they live and learn what they learn. And then hopefully at this time, be able to share with each other so we can come to some understandings that we can all agree to. Because that divisiveness that comes in our mind that creates conflict in ourselves and in our communities is something that's looking to be resolved, you know, so we can actually work together more collaboratively and sure, still push yourself to your best, call competition, call it what you will, but working together for the good of all, you know, that's what's up. All right, so the last question for this little round, and so far so great, is um, how do you maintain, in a regular way, a connection to source, God, spirit, you know, something you can trust, right, because a lot of times, we all need to be able to trust and listen from ourselves, intuition, God, spirit, everybody has their own way. How do you uh, maintain a connection like that that helps you trust yourself at this time and trust your guidance? Well, I, I recently
2: have found how important it is to breathe. Actually, you, you kind of confirmed that as well. I, I asked you a question about how do, you, how do you listen to other people when they talk? I mean, I can hear them. I hear the words that they're saying, but I want to really, you know, listen to what they're saying and then respond appropriately. And you know, you told me that breathing is so important. I mean, because we do it unconsciously, right, or subconsciously, whatever the I guess the term is. But it's so important to keep my mind moving. <laughs> I guess like I have to I have to keep breathing. Otherwise, the lack of oxygen—it's it's one of those things where. I remember watching you know, television and, and somebody would be on that. I mean, it was a skit. They would be drawn on, on one long run-on sentence. And they would gasp for air and, like, they would smoke a cigarette or drink something and, like, just breathe, just breathe, like, calming them down.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> I mean, what? Like, I mean, it's it, it was so funny.
1: <laughs> no, because I could do the run-on sentences too, God, you know. And yesterday I was talking with someone and like they talked for a long bit and they said what they had to do. And I was mostly listening, but I was a little stuck on a spot because I wasn't feeling like they were understanding the, the little rift we were in. And so then when I said, okay, it's in my turn, I started to share where I was coming from, looking for the safety to kind of unravel it a little bit. And that person that was my person to talk with at that time I could feel they weren't listening anymore. And the second I like slowed it down, they were like, oh, so then what really happened is this, you should have done this. So as soon as they heard the spot that made them right, they stayed waiting to show it to me. Yes. And it's like, okay, I identify with that. I've seen that. That is a real thing. I do it too. So then what the hell is right? Like, why are we not really listening? Because it doesn't matter if anybody's right. It does matter. What can we learn from what just happened that can help us go forward and have a good dance without stepping on each other's feet?
2: It's a really good point because we want to find truth in what we say, and then we also want to find truth in what somebody else said so we can continue the conversation. I mean, th- I think we all want, you know, a good conversation with somebody, you know, but then somewhere deep down, I think, I mean, it feels good to be right, I guess, somewhere, but I, I don't.
1: I it think feels it's it feels I think it's bad to, bad, bad to be wrong, and that's why we want to be right. I honestly think it's like that because there's such a desire, specifically in this one conversation I was about yesterday, I know that both of us really, really want to do a good job and show up there in a good way. Like, And I think sometimes the more you really want to be good, the more sensitive you are to when it feels like you did something wrong. And instead of hearing it like, oh, there's a way to improve, and you see something I don't see, what's going on, best friend who's not trying to hurt me? As opposed right. to like, oh what I did something wrong? No, no, no! no. I, it's, it's because you do this, it's, I do this. It's like whoa, 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 you know,
2: it's like the conflict side of it. Am I okay with being in the disagreement with somebody? I mean, where is it really going to go anyway? It's just going to come to maybe more. Well, I mean, that's I guess my mindset where I can see a little bit further um, than uh, just the disagreement that we may or may not have. But what will? We'll, yeah, being the conclusion of it. Well, I learned yes. Well, you know, the other person learned yes. I mean, that's where that's where my faith is. That's heaven. That, right. Right. That's rhythm that's, in
1: the middle. That's rhythm in the middle, Matt.
2: <laughs> that's all it is. It's just being okay with being in conflict or not. Right. Being in agreement or not. Like eventually, that the rhythm will continue. That's really what I wanted. I guess to say is is that
1: eventually that we have nothing to worry about. I mean, so. Other than than how we feel about ourselves, because really all those things are manifestations of not knowing your value or trying so hard to do it right, like we talked about, like, because if you feel secure in the fact that you can mess up and you can do good things and somebody tells you something, you can stay neutral and hear and be like, oh, is that what happened? Well, okay. I thought it was like this and then I did this. Okay. You know, where it's like, well, and then once you're there, it's an interesting thing how quickly the other body gets the posture. You know, like as soon as somebody gets that next person's like, and then you're in it, you know what I mean?
2: Ready to jump.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The mind's, it's an interesting game board. So then real clear though, what is it that you feel helps you know when it's the truth? How do you discern for truth, Matt? Like when you need to make a decision, like how do you know if something's true for you?
2: Right. Right. That's a, that's a, I mean, it's, it's easy to say that I, I trust in God or I trust in the power greater than myself. It's, it's easy to say that because I've been molded to think like that now, or I molded myself, if you will. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I don't have to make decisions to turn over my will and, and hope that the result will be in my benefit mm-hmm. or, and, and, and just like, you know, what I'm trying to say, right. I don't want I don't want to feel pain. But sometimes I withdraw myself from making the decision, and feel more pain anyway. What do I rely on? What can I? What can I trust?
1: I mean, what about your intuition?
2: Yeah, there's a, there's every there's, what can't I trust is the question, right? So oh, nice man. Yeah, I mean, listen, I was not the most trustworthy person when I was fifteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty-three. I was stiff and paranoid. Battling. I was doing bad things. I wasn't in a good place. I wasn't the most trustworthy person, you know, but if I could say and be completely honest with, I trust that process, you know, it, it's not easy to say, well, I say it like this. It's easy to say, I trust the process that eventually my 23 year old version gets my 29 year old version because I saw it through. But to see it in the moment, it's a challenge to say that I'd see that 29-year-old person over there and they're still caught in the grips of addiction, but I trust that eventually their process will bring them, you know, forward into the sanity. Where? Nice, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have a specific answer of, of, of what to trust other than, I, I mean, other than like, we're here right now. I mean, isn't that enough?
1: Nice, the present moment. Okay, so staying present and knowing that where you are is where you go, that's how you trust and be.
2: Yeah. Nice. I can't make a decision for anybody else to get clarity or not anyway. No. But deep down, I believe that we are all part of that one, you know, that one that gets us where we we're going to be anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the lines that I persistently repeat on this uh, podcast is uh, the greatest troll is the universe. And the universe, (laughs) it is trolling us to become one and harmonized because that's how we were intended to be here on this earth plane. And so you can kind of count on it. If you look at your story and tell the story in a conscious way, you can see that everything that's been happening has been happening for you to get you to where you go. That's
2: beautiful. And now, uh, see, I'll, I guess I'm a little bit out of the loop for being 29. I, I don't really know what trolling is. I think it has multiple meanings, but I understand what I think you're trying to say where, where the universe is the biggest troll there
3: well, is. It, you
1: know, like something's trying to bait you or get you to be a certain way and beyond you. Like, I didn't know what it was either. One of the people on the show, actually the young man who you're going to be with uh, in, the, in the next series, the next round, Nasty. He brought that to my attention when I'd be like, you know, kind of like little hooky or baby or making little comments. He goes, you a troll. Why are you trolling me? And I was like, what? What's that? What do you mean? And then he's <laughs> learned about the word. I was just like, I don't want to be a troll. Anymore. But once I learned about the word, which I, we just jokingly, I said to him, like, t- he's like, it took you about two years, you know, to learn that what that word meant. Oh so my like, God. Geez. But now I really understand that. There's no need for me to troll or anybody to troll because there's something smarter than me bringing everything into its best place and slotting things up. Just stay in your vibration and intention. And like, it's happening for us all the time. So it's like, you know, like you're looking for a reaction, right? And so I would say the universe is looking for a reaction from us to come together and live through the stories and learn the lessons to grow the grace.
2: That's incredible because provoking it does have a little bit of a negative connotation to it, right? Or a little bit of like, why are you provoking me? But it's not the, it doesn't have to be in a bad way. Provoking is also attraction.
1: No, I mean, there's another character who's on the series who would, over the time I've known him, be like, you know, no one bothers me like this. Like, no one gets under my skin like you. And, and I'll be like, you're welcome. Right. And he'd be like, how could you say that? Like, and I'm like... Here you go. We have you think I wanted to be this annoying? Like, this is like, I'm being my real self to you. And for some reason, my real self annoys the hell out of you. And sorry, but that's what God did. You know <laughs> what I mean? You know, what I, mean? I just got to play it out. And then again, one of the other ones, he helped me understand how when someone else is triggered, it has nothing to do with me if someone's triggered by me. But for me, coming from that shame vein and that, Want to be good enough, some of my own insecurities in my little cancerian box that I live in, somebody getting upset with me for being myself, I would sometimes internalize and think I had to change to make it better for them. Now I really understand that if somebody is triggered by my behavior, that's between them and God. That has nothing to do with me. I'm only being me. You can increase my awareness. Because like one time Carrie Ann said to me when I was talking to her, she's like, are you scolding? Me? yeah <laughs> No, I'm just talking because like I can appreciate how my way of talking like growing up in an Italian home in the city, the way I talk I'm pretty quiet compared to some of the things I grew around. you know so yeah I've already got an improved model but I can right. appreciate that to people who grew in different types of family energies. My tone and my intensity might be like, what the like yo yo, yo yes. You know, so I get it, you know, so I, I can appreciate that. But I can't change my nature to because someone's like, you're bothering me. And I don't like the way you. Do. I'm just like, well, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to get back to center? Because that's not about me.
2: Oh, God. So perfect. Thank you for that. That's a rhythm really in the metal thing. Could you imagine? Well, I mean, of course you can imagine going to a different area, in just the United States and going with your New Jersey attitude. <laughs> Before it even becomes a thing, people could pick you out of a crowd. People pick me out of a crowd. Yeah. was in Vermont, right? We're, we're hanging out, we're, we're snowboarding, and we go to the, the bar afterwards, we we'll playing pool and this and that. And I could feel the tension of people looking at me while I'm shooting and I'm talking. I could feel it, right? Well, you are like, a
1: big deal at the pool table.
2: Such a big deal. And I do my best not to go overboard because I I don't want to brag. I don't, you know, I, I kind of like to show off. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, I want to do it quietly.
1: You just want to live in your confidence. And that's a place that you have great confidence. A pool table is a place and it's kind of cool because it coming out of your story of addiction, the pool table and getting confidence there was part of your segue.
2: Definitely. And, And pool got me into, I guess, my little competitive nature again. And Oh my god! I mean, could you imagine what I was like when I was drinking playing pool? I I was well. First of all, I was terrible at it. I wasn't even good. <laughs> and, and then I stopped drinking, so I was still bad. And now I didn't have anything to drown my sorrows in. I just like, wow, I really suck like Yeah, you know. But it was it was a good transition to you know test myself and then be sober and then continue progressing. Like that was. You're right. That was my my little bit of a journey into, you know, improvement, improvement. Right. I I play lacrosse for college over here. I still have eligibility, which is incredible. And you know, even though like the pandemic hit and like that took me out of it too. And a little, you know, but I'm so grateful because I'm still getting stronger. I'm still practicing in, in my off time and I get to, you know, bring my grades up and I get to get an associate's degree and, I keep and like all these things that I just I'm so happy that my journey has led me to this point. So I, I mean I guess I'm kind of just, you know, saying what I what I feel and where I'm at this moment, but you know, it's just like that to answer your last question again, I just I just trust the process. I, I mean what, what other decision do I have? I can either trust the process or not trust it. But if I don't trust the process, then I've just created a little bit of pain and drama in my life. Like I'm really in denial. Like this process doesn't know anything. Obviously I want X and it's giving me Y. What the hell process? And it's it's so ridiculous to think like that. But it doesn't mean that I, I don't have to make that decision to say to myself, okay, well, I really am not trusting the process here. Maybe I should maybe I should start, you know, trusting it.
1: Nice. Well, that's a great place for us to wrap up the show that trusting the process. And that's a great way to grow. Like why not? You know, because then we can be present, like you said, because that's where everything is anyway. And just look forward and bring the best of yourself there. Right.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Matt. I look forward to more. I can't wait for the other people in the group to meet you. I'm happy that you're going to play this with us. Thank you. Thank you for
2: having me, Madeline. I will always say yes.
1: <laughs>
2: you're
0: so sweet. Hi, this is Madeline again. <sighs> if you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, check out the website, gwtestfamily.com and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of more peace and harmony and possibility. The space inside me that longs to glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's going to set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me. Show me the way. I know. way will open. Where is it? Where's the fire? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll soothe your soul. Rhythm
3: in the